Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode has been fortunate enough to work and learn from athletes, soldiers, and high performers of all ages and skill levels over the past 15 years. His clients have included professional Olympic and NCAA athletes, World Series champions, NBA lottery picks, U.S. Army Rangers, and Special Forces soldiers, as well as youth athletes, parents, and the occasional weekend warriors, kind of like me now. He was also the mental skills coordinator for the 2017 World Series champion Houston Astros, where he served the organization from 2017 to 2021, winning three American League pennants. Prior to working in Major League Baseball, he spent years working with the United States soldiers as a lead master resilience trainer, a performance expert at the Comprehensive Soldier and Family Fitness Training Center in Honolulu, Hawaii. While there, he provided resilient sport and performance psychology training to soldiers, family members, and DA civilians all over the world. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Dr. Jesse Michelle. Excited to have you. Welcome. How are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me, Tyler. I really appreciate it. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful, sunny day uh, in Tampa, Florida. We're ready to go. Nice. We got a, a rare, nice, sunny day here in Colorado right now. So sun is bright. Uh, you've had a fascinating career. I think uh, one thing I just wanted to kind of start off with, can you tell us a little bit about your journey into mental performance and then now as CEO of uh, Mindset of Excellence? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll take it back, I guess. Uh, I'll give you the very abridged version, but uh, grew up in Los Angeles, played a bunch of sports growing up, uh, primarily baseball, played a little soccer, some basketball. Was an okay baseball player in high school, uh, went to college, Division II UC San Diego, uh, and really struggled. And that's kind of where my journey into mental performance and kind of mental toughness and, and mindset started, just from my own experience had trouble adjusting to the competition, had trouble uh, transitioning away from home, uh, struggled academically, kind of the first time in my life, all these different uh, areas of my life that, that had not had come easy, but I was able to have success in as a, as a youth athlete, all of a sudden all started crumbling and uh, didn't really have the skills to kind of cope with the added stress, the added pressure, the expectations, yada, yada. Um, and so I ended up uh, redshirting that freshman year and kind of found the, the field of sport and performance psychology just kind of through my own self-discovery, um, you know, decided to stop playing ball, continued to coach uh, baseball at the youth level and kind of select level. So stayed involved with the game a little bit, but just kind of fell out of love with the game, going through my struggles and kind of found a, a new love for this field of kind of performance excellence. And so uh, Graduated with a degree in psychology, uh, went and actually played a little bit overseas after I graduated college for some kind of some closure uh, as an athlete, I guess. I put athlete in quotes at that point. Um, And then went to Ithaca College, uh, got my master's there in sports psychology, went to West Virginia, uh, was there for four years, uh, got my PhD in sports psych and uh, a master's in counseling. And then I was able to go and work with the Army 
uh, out, in, out, in, out in Hawaii uh, for a company called, uh, or, or a program called Comprehensive Soldier and Family Fitness, a phenomenal experience, basically doing mental training with soldiers. Everyone's from, you know, privates, 18-year-old Joes that just got in, wow. all the way up to lieutenant colonels and generals uh, and everything in between. Every MOS, uh, every job that you can think of kind of had, uh, had, had hands in this program, and we were able to connect with and train from cooks to rangers to uh, intelligence officers to uh, linguists. I mean, you name it, um, you know, folks were interested in doing some mental training. So fortunate enough to do that for, for four years. And then the last five years, I was the uh, mental skills coordinator for the Houston Astros. Phenomenal experience. Obviously, we had a lot of success. Um, but at the same time, a lot of challenges. You know, I, I think the Astros, uh, you know, you, you throw that name uh, up in a, in a room full of 100 people and you're going to get some pretty polar opposite reactions, I think, at this point. So with all the success we had, you know, figuring out how to, how to, how to balance the, uh, the added stress and the pressure and all, all, the, all the things that kind of came with uh, being an employee of that organization the last five years, and now transitioning uh, into my own uh, business, Mindset for Excellence. Uh, we're a full-service mental performance uh, company, you know, virtual trainings, uh, in-person trainings, sort of athletes, coaches, military, and business leaders. So I know we're going to dive into it, but figure that that give you a, yeah. a really quick synopsis of how we got to this point. Yeah. One, one follow-up on that, I was going to ask, when you were uh, young and coaching youth baseball, some of those first times, what, what was – one of maybe the lessons or and maybe one of the most rewarding things from when you first got out there as kind of a novice coaching little kids? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. One, it's, it's interesting how we, like, a lot of times our paths kind of come together, all these different experiences we have. And one thing that really stands out, I don't know, I was probably in, even in high school coaching like 12-year-olds or, or maybe in college at this point. But I can remember like very vividly being at this tournament, being like a first base coach. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing, you know, and, and just kind of like randomly, I don't know if I saw a video or maybe I read an article and I had this kid like come down the line that you could tell just like he was kind of shaking. He was a scrawny kid, maybe at, at like 12 years old, maybe like 4'11", 90 pounds, just like overmatched, you know, our number nine hitter. And I'm thinking like, all right, this guy's overpowered. He's overmatched. He doesn't have much confidence in himself. Like, it's really not about mechanics at this point. And so I think I had him do like a very, very quick visualization, you know, exercise. Hey, man, I want you to see yourself just line this ball in the right center. And, you know, just figured, I, again, didn't really know what I was doing. But, you know, sure enough, he got a hit. And like, I think in that moment, it's like, okay, you can have an impact here, right? Mm -hmm. Outside of just... The, the teaching the fundamentals and, and talking yeah. about strategy. There's this whole other area of performance that's kind of untapped. Um, that's just right there kind of for the taking and it's accessible to everybody. And so, you know, that my own experience, but that's one thing that kind of probably we talk, I talk a lot about kind of the seeds that are planted um, and, and kind of different, different aha moments that we have yeah. as human beings, as athletes, as coaches. And, and I think for me, that was probably one of them. Just the impact that something as as meaning meaningless as that suggestion could be, you know, end up being so meaningful. And yeah. on the flip side, he could have struck out that at bat, but he didn't. You know, he threw his he threw his yeah. hands at it, and he, you know, he probably hit a. In my mind, it was a laser off the right center field wall, but I'm sure it was just a bloop into right center. Yeah, I mean, if you can, sometimes if you can just 
get them to throw the hands out there, just give a little more effort, right? Then that's, that's right. That's all it takes. Uh, so I love that story. That's a cool story. Uh, in the years with the military, is there uh, a lesson that you found kind of getting taught in pro baseball that kind of got absorbed from some of that time? Um, you mean like, is there anything that I learned in the military that I was able to kind of take with me? Yeah. There's some that in, in that yeah, realm I, kind of... Yeah, sure. I, I I mean, there's so, gosh, man, there's so many lessons and takeaways from my time with the military. So just a little bit of context. I, I'm not a military guy. I, you know, I don't have any background. I didn't have any familiarity with the military experience going into that job. Uh, and a lot of folks that do the job that I did don't. Um, and so everything was new and everything was just kind of, you walk into, you walk onto an installation um, for the first time. And it's just, I don't know if it's, uh, it's patriotic or it's pride or it's the in-group or it's kind of the mission. And like, you just kind of feel like, wow, everyone is here for a purpose. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think that was the first time that I, that I really understood like systems and culture and environment because up to that point, you know, you can only do so much training and you can have so much education and you can work with different athletes and college athletes and a lip. But when you walk into this environment that kind of is created by, you know, a, a, a unified mission, it's like a, a hierarchical structure um, and, and such clear expectations. And it's just this huge like machine that's, that's yeah. moving in this direction and, and like you feel it. Right? right. And so I think I really took away there just the value of like the culture that's created and whose responsibility it is to develop that culture. And you kind of have these different tiers in the military. You have, you know, your enlisted leaders, your sergeants, your staff sergeants, your master sergeants, you have your officers, right? Your, your, or, um, your lieutenants, your captains, your majors, depending on what, what organizations you're working with and kind of their mission. But in a lot, of a lot of sense, there's some parallels to sport, right? You have different levels of leadership in sport. You have peer leaders. You have, you know, you have a strength coach that might be a, a, a social leader um, or a task leader. And then you have your manager that's serving a different leadership. And so all these sports, you know, each sport is so different in terms of their culture and the hierarchy and kind of the environment that's set up, like really tapping into that, at least in, in my space, when I'm working with teams and trying to understand the fabric and the layers is crucial uh, to having an impact. Love it. On the kind of other side coin, what's maybe one of the greatest similarities in, you know, working with the military and working with professional athletes? Yeah, you, you see, you know, I see you're, you're wearing the, the shirt that says mentally tough. I got a hat that says mindset. I mean, to me, it's about like the ones that are able to separate, like just go do the work every single day with an attention to detail at the highest level. And they realize that like, it's the, it's the consistency and the routines and kind of the, the things that, here's the way I describe it. Like in baseball, everyone's going to show up to the yard at 12, one o'clock. Everyone's going to leave, you know, at, at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Everyone's going to have a half an hour of BP. Every pitcher is going to have a throwing program. So like the, the, the schedule is laid out, you know, for you to go work, but not everyone is going to get the same amount of better that day. And so like, if you're in the weight room four hours a week, six hours a week, 
you know, in professional baseball. And I'm not talking like your prep routines and stuff. I'm talking like during the season, you're getting, getting a workout in, you know, if that's 30 minutes, like that 30 minutes, if you go in there with a partner, you're not going to get the same amount of better. Like one of you guys is going to be more locked into every, every rep that you're doing. You're going to challenge yourself. Your mind's going to be in the right place. You're going to be pushing yourself. So it's the same in like every little decision. I think the similarities are you, you could, you could walk into a special forces room or a ranger room and you can feel the, how important, like this is, might be a 30 minute meeting on their schedule. That's not that I, I, I didn't think was that important, but to them, it's the most, it's, that's where they are right now. It's, it's the absolute most important thing in their life right now. Yeah. Um, and I think the, you know, the, the, the elite athlete values and, and we talk about being mindful, being present, being in the moment. It's not just in performance. It's not just in competition. It's every, every, everything you're doing all day is, can you be there? Can you get the most out of, out of that experience? And so that's probably one of the things that stand out as, as far as similarities. I know from kind of mentioned the, the arrival times at the ballpark. <laughs> I remember from just being an observing eye with the White Sox, I always kind of told people, you know, Hall of Famers arrived first, All-Stars arrived next, and the guys that are usually just on the roster arrive when they last have to. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really interesting observation because I think it, like, it works both ways, though, right? Because I, there are some guys that, like, they might not – like your guys that maybe they, they don't have a strong belief in themselves or like low self-efficacy or they're not as comfortable in a new environment. Like not only are they arriving late, so, but, but, they're, but they're not even comfortable when they're there, right? And so they're not, they may be arriving late because they may not know, they might not have a good routine or they don't want to, sure. like they're comparing themselves to the Hall of Famer. And so I think it kind of works both ways, right? Where it does start with like, how do I see myself in this environment? And do I believe I'm a Hall of Famer or an all-star in A-ball and I'm just eventually I'm going to get there or am I not even sure that I belong here in the first place? And if I don't know if I belong here, maybe I don't want to even get to the field that early, you know, to take care of my stuff. So I, I think it works both ways. Sure, sure. It's just always a, a casual observation. I guess. That was great. Spot Jim, on. Jim Tomey set the tone, I guess, with that. <laughs> but uh, in, in mental performance, is there uh, – or if you maybe you had to narrow it towards one, is there a Pareto's principle of 80-20 that can kind of really get some, some leverage if there's younger athletes and coaches listening that they can yeah. take the and I Yeah, and I have to admit, so you, you sent me a couple questions ahead of time, and, and this was one of your questions, and I had to look it up. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard of it, What's or funny, if I, I had, um, I, go ahead. I'll just say, I'll, I'll be honest. In, in my mind, sometimes I call it Plato's principle, but it's not. So I had to look it up. I'm like, I know it's not Plato's principle, but it's close. Right, it's the right. 80-20 rule. What's it yeah. called? <laughs> all, 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 those, all those Greek philosophers with their principles. Um, so I, I had to think about this a little bit. And um, I, I, there's probably a bunch of places I can go. I, I'm going to go with like the, the, we're talking about mindset. And for me, a big component of mindset is like belief systems. Um, and so I think, you know, your, your 20%, your top 20% performers, like the foundations of their belief systems, 80% of those are, are productive and aligned with like high performance. And what I mean by that is um, belief systems are things like failure does not define me. I'm going to figure out how to, you know, how, how to compete here, um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to figure out a strategy to have success. Um, 
you know, I, 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 can, I can be creative with my resources, right? Our beliefs are kind of the, 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 the roots, right? Uh, that kind of how we perceive the world. And so your top 20% of, of athletes, top 20 performers, I think 80% of their belief systems are kind of aligned with that allow them to reach that level, right? Kind of overcome failure because the, the other 20%, like I think people don't appreciate the fact that like, look, these, we're not computers. Like even the, the guys that you see on TV that are performing the highest level most, they still have doubts. They still have fears. They still, you know, are scared. They, they still, you know, they get in the, you know what, um, a lot of times, but, it, but 80% of their foundation is rooted in successful uh, and, and, and productive belief systems. Yeah. And, and for me, like the, the separator inevitably, um, uh, you see with the military, you know, I've, I've worked in with UFC, I've worked with best NBA, I've done some work in Olympic sports, swimming. Um, so much of it is rooted in what are your belief systems, kind of the foundations of your beliefs about yourself as an athlete, uh, and kind of how you see yourself in your environment. And if 80% of that's productive, you're you're probably going to be able to outlast and outthink and outplan and outreflect and out um, out mindset. You know, every the other eighty uh, percent of folks. Yeah, I love that. I always I'm always fascinated with just the topic of belief, self belief. Yeah. And it, it, one thing I always share with student athletes is it's your beliefs are going to lead to your behaviors, right? And is that mm -hmm. kind of like? And I think that you know if if you have these things rooted. 80% of it, then your behaviors are going to be rooted in those yeah. things. And the times where our behavior doesn't align with our personal values or belief are usually moments we're not proud of, or mm -hmm. <laughs> we'd looking back, we would, eh, you know, mm -hmm. that's not, don't define me that by that, please. <laughs> right? Exactly. No, I think you're spot on. And I, I'll take it like to even build on that. Right. I, one of my, so I, I work from, you know, a kind of a cognitive behavioral approach, right? Mm -hmm. What we think determines how we feel, determines how we perform. There's a, there's a strong uh, relationship between our mind and, and our body and, and our emotions. So to me, your belief systems are kind of, I use the, you know, the, the tree metaphor, um, you know, the, the, your beliefs are kind of the roots of that tree. And then you know, you're, what you tell yourself in the moment, you can think about as kind of like the leaves on a branch, right? They're, they're fleeting, but they're very much rooted in what you believe about yourself in that situation. Or, you know, we have beliefs about everything, uh, politics, religion, culture, sport, like they're the, they're the things that we say to ourselves that, that carry weight, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I'm the best athlete on the field. Okay. If you really believe that, you know, if you have a bad game, you're not, you're not even going to think twice about it, right? But if you believe, man, I'm a D3 player, I don't know if I belong here. Okay, now you have a bad game. Now all of a sudden you're, you start to think about, oh, maybe this, 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 the sliders at this level are, are, are too tough and I'm not going to be able to. And now, you know, you're, you're, you're spiraling, but it's really, it's rooted in your beliefs that are kind of dictating how you perceive the situation you're in. Yeah, I love it. The... Uh... <clears throat> When we're working with athletes or you working with a new team, is there a starting point you like to jump out at or is there, is it a process of finding out where they are to meet them? That is kind of the starting point. I think you nailed it, right? Yeah. You, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to work with, with a new team, um, a big part of that, and I'm reflecting even back the, the most recent time I went to work with a new team, I've recently been working with, uh, 
Division One swimming program. And I, I flew out. We did a couple team talks, you know, via Zoom. And then I flew out there for a few days. And, um, you know, the first day is really meet and greet, but it's a lot of observation and it's a lot of asking questions. Mm. So I'm, I'm trying to get a gauge of where's everyone at. Tell me about this athlete. You know, tell me I'm talking to this assistant coach. What have you seen? What works? What doesn't work? So that I think that accomplishes a couple things. Number one, look, my belief is that the expert is 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 the um, they're they they're they're the authority of their own experience. And so, uh, you know, same thing with coaches, right? Coaches been working with someone for six months. It's probably also not very emotionally intelligent to go in and talk seen them work with a coach or the player before um so part of it is relationship building part of it is yeah i got to know what they're like in their environment um and then there's also kind of a piece of like they have to feel comfortable with having somebody you know mental performance coach or a mental skills coach around and and know that it's a safe space still right yep. i i'm i'm a foreigner in their environment right they, they you go work with a certain team that's been in the middle of a season or like they're a machine too, right? There's kind of a rhythm to practice. There's a rhythm to who talks when and, and when they're working and when they have downtime. So now I come in and I'm like, you know, you throw, think about a, a, a conveyor belt. If you, if you throw like a bunch of, you know, screws at it, it's going to rupture. Um, so you got to be mindful of like not to disrupt that at first. And um, I think that's part of it. But then there's also insertion points. You kind of get a gauge of, all right, well, this, this gal, she gets water after, you know, her second set. So if I want to ask her a question, I want to go over, you know, to the bench right. and make sure I'm there. So it's, so you're also, there's all these things that you're kind of thinking about when you first work with the team sure. um, and trying to figure out how to best integrate. Yeah. There's, I mean, unique ebbs and flows everywhere, right? Right. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you could wave a magic wand and, Tomorrow morning, every little baseball player that wakes up or every future soldier wakes up has a mental skill in their back pocket. What would that mental skill be that you'd want to make sure they wake up with tomorrow? So I'm going to cheat and give you two. That's fine. We get. So the first one for me is helping them develop the belief system that I am going for the rest of my career, I'm going to compare myself against myself only like that. That is, you know, I got, I told you this earlier, I got two young kids, three and a half, one and a half to me. That is like one of the core things I want them to be. I will continue to push and we do it in a bunch of different ways. Right. But I think as just as human beings, our tendency to kind of look around and then you layer in obviously social media and kind of this day and age. And it's just so easy to compare yourself. Um, and I, I struggle with it too. I think professionally, probably a lot of us do. Um, but that's something that I think I would love to just, you know, you, you sprinkle pixie dust across the, the world for all these youth athletes and say, well, ask yourself, like, how did I get better today? And it's not just fluff. Like it's because if you can really like, if you can internalize that concept, look out, look yeah. out. Right. Oh, yeah. um, Cause you don't waste all that energy, you know, being consumed with, you know, the, the, the onslaught and just the, um, the inevitable, like an in infinite number of people that you're, you're going to come across if you're fortunate enough to, to play long enough or to compete long right. enough. The other thing is why we call it just kind of external focus, right? Uh, 
one of my biggest kind of principles of mental performance is your mind can only be in one place at a time. And, and in the middle of performance, all too often when we underperform, it's because our mind is in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's kind of internal. Either we're talking to ourselves, there's, there's, there's self-doubt, you know, the, the self-talk, the comparison, the you're worried or consumed with um, things that aren't relevant for the task at that point. Um, and so it's helping the athlete identify in the moment of performance, whether it's baseball or lacrosse or boxing, or you have, you have to be external to execute. There's a time to be internal and reflect and plan and process and think there's all that. But, you know, I, there's a, a, a time in the, the flow of that performance where you must learn to be external because that's how the game slows down when you're in flow, when you're locked in, when you're performing well in whatever you're doing, you are external um, and your, your mind is in the right place at the right time. And so helping the athlete understand what that means, what is the external locus of control? What's the external point that I need to focus on? And an example of this for a hitter, right, would be I, in, the, in the pitcher's delivery, I want to bring my attention and focus to the release point. You know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about my timing or if I'm thinking about where my foot lands or if I'm thinking about my load while the pitcher is releasing, there's just no, I don't have enough time, no matter yeah. what age group you're And And each performance, uh, each sport has a, a moment where you need to be external. Um, you know, in, 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 for a golfer, it's, you know, there's a bunch of different techniques and strategies. You talk about think box and play box, right? When you get over the ball, you bring your attention to the ball, right? You're not really thinking about where are my feet and how, like maybe you are, but at some point you have to consciously say, all right, I'm focused on the ball now. And I'm going to let, yeah. I'm going to let my brain kind of take my, my body take over and do the thing that I've been training, you know, forever to do. So those two things, um, believe kind of the, the ability to pour energy into, did I get better today? And how did I get better? Um, and then understanding that, when I'm not performing well, it, it probably has a lot to do with where my focus is and where my attention is. And that's the first thing I'll, I'll ask athletes is, you know, when they, I am, you know, I really, I had a really poor practice. Okay. Well, which part of practice and where was your focus? Was it on the thing that you needed to do to execute the task? Well, no, I was worried about the coach was looking at me and yeah. Oh, so you didn't even see the ball, you know? Is there anything with, you know, science showing us that our attention spans are dwindling, um, you know, here and there. I mean, depending on what you look at. Um, but like you said, I think, you know, you can get athletes that are just like, well, I, that guy's locked in for hours. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but for, you know, younger people or, or young coaches, is there anything you do to help? Like, so I feel like sometimes when it's like focus, they feel like they're, especially younger student athletes can be, feel like they're being, chastised for lack of better words or yeah. you know that they're they should be better equipped for something and it's not their fault but you know to normalize that it's we're going to lose focus in the course of a three-hour game in the course of a long hot practice uh, you know is there anything you kind of do to just to at least normalize that this is just what it's going to be <laughs> yeah no i think you bring up a great point right we're so um multimodal now uh our you know you got the TV on, you got your phone, you're working on the computer. You know, if you're a kid in a, in a class, you got the teacher, and then you got uh, the kid next to you and you're writing a note and you're, so yeah, I think there is so much of kind of modern life 
trains us to, I'll say, have our attention diverted. Um, and, and I've seen research on, on both. You know, some people say, well, it's, it's impossible to multitask. You can't have your focus in more than one place at a time. I would just say this, if, if you're an athlete or you're a performer and you're trying to give yourself the best chance to perform, you want to be able to bring your attention to the present moment and bring it to the place that you need at that moment of performance. And like I said, sometimes it's useful to have your attention internal where you're processing or analyzing or planning or you're doing imagery. Um, and I think those are when a coach says, hey, you just got to focus more. Like if you don't kind of go to the next step and say, when we're, here's what I mean by that. If we're shooting free throws, I want your attention and focus on the front of the rim because that's, you know, if that's the technique or whatever. When we're in the huddle on the bench, I want your attention listening to me. Um, when you're getting water, if you want to take a break, you know, look, you're, you, our attention is going to wane. There's no doubt about it. But it's who's the, who's the athlete that's able to bring it back more consistently. And I think you normalize it that way and you don't chastise them for it. You actually say, look, you're going to lose. I lose focus and, you know, and my attention wanes. And, you know, I'm supposed to do this for a living and teach this. But how often can you bring yourself back? And that's why, you know, I'm sure a lot of your audience and a lot of the folks you've, you've had on in the past talk so much about mindfulness uh, practice and breathing. And like, we, we can do that right now. You know, for those listening, I want you to bring your attention, um, you know, to your, your, the butt on your chair, if you're sitting on a chair and just feel, you know, your, your bum on the seat. Like that's been there since you started listening to this podcast yep. or if you're running. You know, uh, feel, feel, I want you to bring your attention to the feel of your, your shoes on the pavement or your shoes on whatever floor you're on. That's been there as long as you've been listening. You just haven't brought your attention there. And whether it's a mindfulness practice or whether it's a breathing practice or, I mean, that, that's kind of what you're training your mind to do is to, to kind of come back to the moment um, as a, just like anything else, right? If you're an athlete and you're a, I don't know, you're a pool player, you take, uh, you know, a thousand pool shots a day, the more you practice bringing yourself back to the moment and kind of bringing your attention to the present, the more you're likely to do it under stressful circumstances. And, you know, stress is, there's perceived stress and there's actual stress. Uh, a lot of times in sport, it's, a, it's perceived stress that brings your attention away from where it needs to be. That could show up as self-doubt or you know, maybe your heart rate speeds up or maybe, um, you know, you're, you're worried about something that happened three innings before and you're not able to bring yourself to the moment and kind of plan and prepare for what you're about to do. And so then if you have a breathing or a mindfulness or some sort of focused practice where you practice bringing yourself back to the moment, your brain's going to be more likely to do that under stressful circumstances. Because if you can't do it, you know, under serene conditions when you're just sitting at home watching TV, ain't no way you're going to do it, you know, right. under the lights. Right. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think in the, uh, the Marines say, you know, we don't rise to the occasion. We're going to sink to the level of our training and habits. Right. right. That's and right. So, no doubt. Um, you know, I think that's one good military thing. I always like to lean on mm -hmm. <laughs> that you see happen in sports. Well, uh, one last question we always like to ask our guests and get some, uh, ideas on is how do you envision or what is success? So to me, it's, it's not a universal principle. I think success for me, depending on who I'm working with is going to be defined by meeting the athlete or the coach where they're at because success for somebody might be 
And, and I will say that it's a combination of like mindset and behaviors, right? It starts with mindset. So if you're talking about for somebody, success might be showing up to the gym three times in a week for 20 minutes and being in the moment while they're working out, right? For somebody else, success might be putting in like, what's, what don't they want to do? They don't, they don't want to hit off the velo machine because it's too hard. It's about showing up and every day hitting off the, the velo machine. So to me, success is way more rooted in, in mindset, beliefs, and processes than it is about results. Because a lot of times, and I'm sure you know, it might sound cliche and, and some of your guests might say this, but we, we try to encourage folks to put their energy into the things that are within their influence and control. And in sport, a lot of time, unfortunately, the results are outside of your control. What's in your control is your mindset, your beliefs and your process. And so for me, success is about being able to identify, you know, what's the kind of the results in my control that's going to give me the best chance to perform at a high level consistently, right? And so success is about identifying what, what's the process I need to go through and then meeting that or meeting that, uh, meeting those standards that you've set for yourself. Um, and then, you know, the results should take care of themselves. If you, if you take care of the process the right way, um, because that's what you've done. If you've established kind of performance goals, you should be establishing process goals as well. Yeah. Love it. Jesse, that was great, man. Thank you so much for taking the time and dropping knowledge and appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me for your audience members, athletes, coaches, if, if they want to reach out, uh, you know, feel free to, to, to get at me on Twitter uh, just Jesse D. Michelle, and feel free to check out the website, mindsetforexcellence.com. I can't thank you enough for what you do uh, for the performance community, for the, the athlete and the coach community. Uh, thank you so much for, for having this platform and for allowing me to be a part of it. listening if something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode we would love your help spreading the elevate message you can find me on instagram at elevate educate rejuvenate that's with the numeral instead of the ate thank you again and if i can help you with anything please reach out and don't forget go elevate others